Welcome to Wise Up Governance and Boards podcast, brought to you by Three Wise Owls Governance Consultants. Covering hot topics in governance, risk, latest regulatory changes, and issues keeping directors and executives awake at night. Here are your hosts, Ainsley Cunningham and Deb Anderson. Welcome to this episode of Wise Up. Today we're joined by Craig Manson. Hi, Craig. Welcome. Hi, Deb. Thank you. Craig is an experienced company director and advisory board chair with over 10 years board experience across the private sector and 20 years experience as managing director, CEO level in technology, consumer goods, FMCG and financial services. This included five years on the global strategic planning team for a 13 billion global tech company. Craig's key areas of expertise include commercial go-to-market, strategy development and delivery, M&A and capital raising, culture and leadership, customer engagement, change, growth and transformation. Craig currently sits on the boards of Market Boomer Pty Ltd, Two Stone Pty Ltd, Alex Pty Ltd is the interim chair, and Respond Global Pty Ltd. Craig is also on three advisory boards. In addition to the board roles, Craig owns a boutique advisory firm specialising in commercialisation and go-to-market, strategic transformation and general advisory work across Australia, Europe and Asia. Craig mentors startups in the local community at the Perugian Tech Hub and globally through Earth Tech Ventures and sits on the Earth Tech Ventures Investment Committee. One busy man. Very busy. So tell us a little bit about yourself, Craig. Uh, yes, yeah, so I, um, I really work at the intersection of culture, customer and commercialisation. I guess commercialisation for me is about uh, creating value. So that's, that's what I do. It's what I've done my whole career. I've been in change and, and transformation uh, for years and, and I bring that to boards and I think it's, it's, a, it's a different view on boards. You know, if you look at compensated risk and uncompensated risks and those types of things and sitting on the value creation side uh, helps get a really nice balance on a board. So for those listeners of ours that don't understand the difference between a governance board and advisory board, how would you explain that, Craig? Yeah, I mean, the the key difference is uh, a a governance board, you've got fiduciary duties, you get to make decisions and you're part of the decision-making process. Uh, advisory board, you don't have the same duties, uh, but you're not a decision maker. You you get to advise, so it's a it's a, I guess it's a, a level down from responsibility, uh, but you still you do have an accountability to make sure the business performs and, and those types of things. Um, but it's it's not as structured in, in, as a governance board. So um, tell us a little bit about um, that value creation piece, uh, Craig, that you sort of bring to the table. Sure. Yeah, a lot. A lot of people call it commercialisation. It's about the customer. Yeah, if you think about a, a fiduciary duty of a board, it's about uh, to create value uh, for the company, for the the benefit of all all shareholders and all stakeholders. If you take it take it out further, and and for me, that's about actually creating value to new products, new markets, new customers to actually drive the, the true value of an organisation. I'm always uh, quite interested in, and lots of companies are always doing capital raisings, those types of things. You know, my argument is, well, are you taking care of revenue and are you driving revenue forward? 
And the only way to drive revenue forward in a, a profitable manner and to have competitive advantage is to create value for end customers, uh, end users, consumers, uh, and that creates ultimate um, value for, for all stakeholders. So um, do you work more in the customer experience space as well, Craig, when um, looking at strategies and strategic direction for businesses? Yeah, I, I always like to look through the, the eyes of the, the customer or the consumer and everything I do and, and try and walk a mile in their shoes. In terms of deep customer experience and user experience, um, there's a whole set of professionals that are far better at that than I. From a high-level strategic perspective, absolutely all day long, there should always be you know, a customer conversation in every, every session and every meeting. Uh, however, you know, in terms of the deep CX stuff, there's, uh, that's a pretty deep field on its own right. So when, um, I guess, this uh, recent pandemic has um, hit the boards that you're on, how have you um, had to uh, change in strategic direction or what sort of things have you had to focus on uh, to really articulate value for those businesses? Yeah, it's been really interesting. I think the, the diversity of, of how COVID has impacted different businesses is, is quite remarkable. You know, when you go through a GFC, um, you know, it's an unpacking of the, of the structural parts of, of business. Uh, when you go through COVID, there's businesses that are, that are structured beautifully and, and are, are strong and will power through it and others just through the, the fault of being in a certain industry uh, get hit in a much harder way. So um, there's been a whole range of different things that have had to happen uh, right through from, you know, in, in the worst instance, putting standing staff down for a, a part of their, their, their weekly work um, to be able to afford to keep everybody on deck as you, you work out how you're going to balance through it. Uh, and those companies is about finding new income streams or finding ways to add value to customers longer term um, so that you can actually keep people on and you've actually got a, a brighter future. One example is in, in the hotel industry where uh, working with hotels to, to actually see the value of uh, cost-saving initiatives for the future that they can actually do during COVID. So COVID isn't downtime for them. All of a sudden, COVID is a, a resetting time for them so they come out stronger than how they went in. Uh, right through from you know, the, the data company, which is, is busier than ever because people are grappling to what to do with their data and there's gold in their data and it's like you can create value for that at any time. Uh, and again, when you're not so busy with activity, front-end activity is the opportunity to actually take care of some of those things. So in terms of um, you talk about compensated versus uncompensated risk, um, can you talk us a little bit through that? Yeah, sure. Um, but un uncompensated is the, the usual characters, isn't it? It's uh, financial, uh, work health and safety, um, those those types of risks, um, you know, cyber risks, uh, brand risk, you know, uh, reputational risk, those types of things, uh, which boards 100% have to be all over all the time. And, and you, know, you just, there's no escaping the fact that those uncompensated risks have to be managed and mitigated incredibly well. It's the board's role. It's the compensated risks that, that I often see boards not really focusing on, which is the, the value creation. But, you know, uh, I mean, Drucker was always talking about you have to take certain kinds of risks um, because you've you, you got to take risks to grow a business. And it's the uncompensated risks that, that lead to you know, higher revenue, higher profits, better ways of doing business, uh, you know, higher valuations for organisations, 
by doing different and unique things. They're the compensated risks that I feel don't get enough attention on boards and deserve a lot more attention. Not saying you're going to stop paying attention to the uncompensated, clearly. So in terms of, um, I guess, uh, trying to get that point across in the boardroom, do you find it challenging to um, deliver a new perspective or um, change mindsets around the board table? Yeah, boards, boards like all teams are all about trust and underlying trust and diversity of thinking really means that the, the, the good boards and luckily the boards I'm on, uh, they're open to different conversations and new conversations. Uh, you know, and sometimes being called the sales guy in the corner, which I'm not, but that's what you're called. Uh, that's okay. That's okay so long as everybody's open to having the conversation and actually working out how you do something different to, to do the value creation. Um, and I think when there's clear heads and, and probably urgent minds, I think those conversations actually really make sense. So it's about uh, having the right conversations at the right time. And, and you know, I've been lucky enough to find uh, every board I've been on has been open to those ideas. They're often new. They're often quite challenging. Um, but, uh, but everyone is, is, is always open to them. What are some of the challenges that directors and boards are facing at the moment that you're seeing? Uh, so, the, I mean, the big the big challenges at the moment are around uncertainty. It's uh, a lot to do with culture because staff are nervous. Staff are worried about coming back into the office. Staff are worried about you know what the future looks like for their roles. So, that's one of the big risks, is, uh, you know, the big challenges, sorry, is is around a culture definitely, and actually how to how to stay upbeat, how to stay future focused, uh, and really good CEOs, good leaders. We've got boards supporting them are working their way through those things, uh, but it's not simple. Um, and there's just so much media um, conversations going on that, that really do confuse and, and blur the lines on a lot of things. So that's one of the, the really big challenges. And then it's, it's working out strategically, you know, where to go because uh, things will change. You know, and and you know, there's a lot of conversation around, you know, COVID. We had everything set for six months to the end of September. Well, you know. COVID doesn't listen to, to government rules, right? It's going to do its own thing. And and I'm very confident that it's going to go longer and we have to be prepared for that. And what does that mean and what does that look like? And and you can't try and second guess um, your reactions, but you do have to actually find a way to, to have a vision for what that looks like. And that's a really big challenge in the current environment. So in terms of... Um I guess a lot of your um, experience prior to being a f- full-time professional director um, in that sort of executive role space, has it been from um, predominantly the same sort of industry or? Yeah, I, uh, I've had a, I've had a, a varied background. Um, I started my life in pharmaceuticals uh, and then went to spend some time in FMCG um, and then across to, to health and beauty and then, I guess, 15 years ago, I moved into technology and I've been in tech ever since. And I, I think, you know, my most recent form is in, in tech. And I think that's where, the, you know, the boards that have picked me up have been interested in, in my tech background and my tech understanding. And it certainly, it certainly helps. So in terms of, um, I guess, your technology experience, has there been um, some... Uh, I guess, ad- adoption of um, accelerated digital transformation strategies uh, 
as a result of COVID? There will be. Uh, and and it's, 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 you know, once we're through the, gee, what's happening now? To the, or how do we how do we move forward? Um, there'll definitely be an adoption of more uh, digital technologies and more digital solutions. I think we'll see everything from highly regulated industries, um, like banking, uh, as example. You know, it's, it's moving very digital, uh, of course. But even some of the, the things about how mortgages work and some of those things, I think we'll see a, a greater adoption uh, of uh, digital examples of, of those types of things. Um, right, right through to, to how consumers interact. We know we've seen e-commerce really boom. Um, and I, I think we'll see that embedded more in the long-term future, even even down to you know click and collect in the in the, the grocery store. Yeah, you know, it's it's a thing now, right? And uh, and I see those types of things growing and prospering. So, in terms of your customer experience background um, and sort of focusing on those um, that sort of unique perspective on. Um, culture and leadership and change in strategic yep. direction around customer-centric um, strategies. Do you think um, there's some top examples of where um, businesses have got that right? Uh, yeah, there's plenty. I, I think we'll talk about Amazon, don't we? But Amazon really have got it right uh, in terms of everyone says that they're a great tech play. I think they're a great uh, operational play, to be honest. Um, but they've got it really right in terms of actually how they've how they've gone to market. Um, there's plenty of people that, that haven't, of course. But I think you know Amazon's a, is a great one to call out, and I still think Apple uh, is is interesting. And if you look at what Microsoft have done, um, Microsoft was always uh, the difficult child of the the big tech. Um, but if you look in recent times, how they've changed their platform, how they've changed the way they interact. You can pick up um, their cloud platform on any device now. Uh, um, you know, with 365, they've really got into the game. So it's been a massive shift in terms of technology for them as well. So I think they're really good examples of, of, the, of the big brands, that's for sure. I think Elon Musk made a $7 billion profit last night because of the share increase. Oh, <laughs> well, really? that's tech, oh. but anyway. Um, yeah, no. Oh, yeah. me. <laughs> Just a cool seven. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, in terms of, um, I guess your um, skill set, Craig, it's really quite broad in terms of your key areas of expertise. What would your top three tips be to organisations and boards right now that they really should be focusing on to kind of um, survive this next phase of, uh, you know, potential second wave of the pandemic um, coming out the other side, uh, making sure that they've got a viable business model to go forward with? Yeah, and I, I think the answer you always give to the questions like that is always people, <laughs> it's always culture, um, because it's the difference, right? It's... It, Business models can move around, and if you've got a bad business model, then you just need to move it. It's it's is relatively black and white, uh, and business models are moving, and we're seeing the change with digitization to to those new business models, which are, are leaner, faster, uh, in real time, uh, and actually give really nice value creation back back to consumers. But if you don't have the people to deliver and execute on on those changes. Then you never, it's never going to happen. So I think the key thing is to take care of your people. 
um, take you know, and the leaders to take care of their people and the organisations, and and for the board because the board has a hand to play in culture. They definitely do, and you know the tone is set from the top. And yeah, the executive really own it, but the board have to play a role in, in setting culture and making sure that you know what are the values and what are the behaviours that are accepted uh, to be accepted and, and what's modelled. So that'd be one of the key things to look at. Definitely business models, which I think you highlighted but also to really double down on value creation. Now, it's really easy to, to go, well, we're actually just going to you know, tighten up. We're going to you know, drop costs. We're going to really shrink down to ride our way through this. And an element of that has to be true. You can't, you can't ignore that. But if you're not doubling down on value creation and really driving value right now, I think, I think that's, that's foolish to not do it. And I think the the businesses that really drive value for their customers now will come out winning with greater brand equity when we come out of this as well, because people will remember them for it. Uh, you know, that, so those brands that act with a bit of compassion and empathy towards their customers, I think, will will really win the day when we come out come out the other side of this. So, with some of the boards that you're sitting on, um, are they paying more attention to cyber risk with the recent activity that's been going on? They've been impacted by that. Yeah, no, no one's been impacted by it. Um, you know, touch wood. Um, but I'd like to think they've always been very careful around cyber. Um, being predominantly tech businesses as they are, um, cyber is always on the table. It's always a discussion point. Um, so it's not. It's always been heightened uh, from from my perspective. I think some people haven't played, paid close enough attention to it. Um, but it's a real thing and it's something that, you know, and you can never can never rest from it. And it's going to be with us for as long as we've got digital, I think. So with the benefit of hindsight, has there been um, sort of any, um, I guess, really um, big examples in your corporate career that um, with hindsight that things could have been done differently, whether it was either yourself or... Um, you know, other boards that you've, or management teams that you've witnessed, um, you know, where things could have been done differently? Where do you start with that question? <laughs> you've opened that one up nicely. Um, of course, absolutely. Uh, plenty of, of examples. I guess if I, uh, if I cut across it, one of the biggest things I find where you look back and you're, you know, with hindsight and you go, we wish we'd done something different. Um, one of the most common things is not moving fast enough. Uh, I think that's, that's always something you know, that people look back on and go, I wish I just moved a bit, a bit quicker and, and had a bit of confidence and been you know, ready to take, I guess, a heightened risk to actually move, move faster. Um, so I think that's that's really one of the, the, the main things. And I, I think the other one, which we I think we touched on just, just before as well, is it's really easy to grip, you know, grip down in tough times and, and bunker bunker in. Um, and I think if you can, you know, see your way through into more value creation about doing more activity, about engaging better with the market, even though it's harder and it's tougher and the risk profile is slightly higher, I think that the, the reward for that is, is greater. And I know there's been times in my career where you know, we've had going through transformations and we've we're probably bit down a bit hard on, on pulling things back in. 
and you know, if we're just giving ourselves the opportunity to, to to go a bit further in the value creation part or the the go to market piece, uh, I think we would have would have been better off in the long term, um, most certainly. Have you been doing any capital raising in the current environment? Is that proving to be challenging at the moment? The capital raising is challenging the at the moment. Best of times. Um, yeah, uh, although you know, there's there's still money money there, um, but it's it's it's, it's much more careful, um, especially when COVID first hit. Uh, everyone went, look, we just want to take a break, uh, and that's pretty understandable. Now, I got a couple of emails last week out of the US. Um, talking about the fact that they've got capital they have to spend, they're under pressure to spend. So they're looking for opportunities in this part of the world. So, yeah, two of those just last week. So uh, capital definitely tightened up really hard. Um, feels like in some sectors it's coming back. and But it's always the same thing. It's always about, you know, what's the quality asset? Um, what's the quality business um, that's just, just going forward well? You know, they always attract good capital. And so is that in terms of a um, private equity or venture capital investment? Yeah, private equity firms. They're the ones talking about they've got funds that they need to do something with. Well, I think a lot of the challenges you see with startups um, sort of heading to the US, they do um, kind of lack um, that sort of robust governance framework because they're quite early on in their life cycle. Um, do you find that um, some of the boards that you sit on have, um, I guess, a strong appetite for governance? Yes and no. <laughs> um, uh, definitely, definitely yes uh, when, you know, when, when things are a bit tougher. Um, and I think for emerging uh, companies and those in unregulated industries, regulated industries have a very strong appetite for governance, of course. Um, the unregulated organisations less so, but um, especially as they're going through stages of maturity, um, through cycles of maturity. But I, in general, I've found um, really good appetite for governance, a strong desire for governance, uh, and and actually working through governance models and actually how they can operate and perform better. So uh, I would say there's definitely a positive attitude towards governance. And I guess from um, a risk management perspective, Craig, where um, there is that challenge between the compensated and the uncompensated risks, do you think that there's um, particular standout um, risk factors that boards tend to focus on? Um, is it predominantly financial risk? Yeah, um, def- definitely. And again, you know, I guess it comes back to regulated and unregulated industries as well. You know, banking's completely different than, than a, an unregulated industry. Um, but in, in general, um, it's financial because, you know, rightly or wrongly, um, company directors are held to account uh, financially, first and foremost, uh, and then work health and safety. So I guess where, you know, where the penalties lie is where attention goes often, um, rightly or wrongly, that's that's the way it is. And uh, especially in Queensland with some of our workplace health and safety laws are stronger than other parts of the country in the world. So we focus really hard on those. And that's that's a good thing, right? That's the way it should be. People should be safe in the workplace, absolutely. Um, but they're the big two, I think. I think uh, workplace health and safety and, and financial are, are the big two. Um, I always keep a really close eye on operation, uh, not operational, 
uh, risk, but uh, in terms of brand risk um, and reputational risk, because that's really hard to come back from. And and I think it's a if you look at reputational risk, it, it covers so many different things on the board agenda. That's always good to to have an eye towards that. I think. Um there's been a lot of talk about employees, mental health. I don't think there's been so much talk about the, the mental health at the, you know, the senior exec and board level. How are you yeah. guys sort of managing that? How am I sorry? Was How are you managing that at a board and exec level? So we, we talk a lot about um, the, the well-being and the mental well-being of our people at the moment because it is tough. And it's interesting, uh, in normal times, you know, you worry about um, – certain types of individuals that, that struggle in the corporate environment. Um, what's really interesting with, with COVID is I actually think it's the extroverts that have struggled um, big time because they get their energy from, from external factors and, and that, that hasn't been there. Um, so um, I, I think it's, it's, it's watching the changes uh, across people. It's about setting frameworks in place so that there is outlets for people there are things happening across the organisation culturally um, to keep people engaged, to make them feel like they're part of the team, to, to worry less, really strong messaging. You know, it's all communication and over-communicating in these times is critically important. Uh, and how you get your messages across and the right messages across is, is super important. So over definitely over-communicating. But even the, the small things, and, and you see it lots of um, on LinkedIn a lot with different um like Friday drinks via Zoom and, and those types of things and, and still the weekly stand-up via Zoom and you know, wear a hat day or a funny shirt day or whatever. But I think those small things that might seem smaller material, I think they actually matter um, because it puts a bit of normality back across you know, what is a bit of cr- quite crazy times. And how are the virtual board meetings going? Great. I'm loving them. Um, I live in a place where I don't want to leave it, so uh, so I'm, I'm pretty happy with the virtual board meetings. Um, there's one board, board I'm on um, that we've never met, um, and I feel like I'm as engaged with that board as any of the boards I've been on for a lot longer. Um, and we will meet. We, we definitely will. We were planning to until something happened in Melbourne recently. Um but in saying that, I think it's it's really good. I mean, this technology is quite incredible, um, and and I'm finding it quite amazing at how well we're getting on in virtual board meetings. With your um, experience, the change, growth, and transformation, Craig, what would you say are like the key drivers to a successful um, change or transformation strategy rollout? Yeah. But there's, um, there's, there's some fundamentals of embedding lasting change um, that, that just have to be done right. Uh, for, for me, the, the cornerstones are making sure you've got a sound strategy that, that has actually got the best chance of working. There's never any guarantees in life. I mean, if you've got your business model right, you've got your revenue models right, you've got key insights into your market so you know what you're delivering, we'll have a demand to it. You know, you're not trying to, to sell something that's got no demand to it. So get the fundamentals of the strategy right. And then for me, it's about en- engaging people, hearts and minds. And I think it's really important. You know, a lot of businesses engage the minds. I'm super keen on making sure we engage the hearts um, so that people really feel like they're part of the journey. You know, there's some real storytelling and some rituals and some deep cultural things happening through those organisations. 
And then it's about, about delivering it. It's about executing it uh, really, really well and, and going for your maximum. I really believe in, in going for maximum for you know the best you possibly can achieve at any point and never having a mindset where you, you settle for anything. So I think there's some of the fundamentals for, for change and embedding lasting change. And what do you see as some of the common pitfalls that um, see transformations um, not succeed? Yeah, if, if I look at my own backyard over the years, um, I think it's, it's trying to go too big, too fast, too early. Uh, it's about not putting the, all the right stages in. I think that's a, it's a really big pitfall uh, and making sure that you know, the bite-sized chunks of, of going through change are simple and understandable enough and it's easy to see the next thing that you can get to and it's easy to see the next thing. So I think that's a really important part of change and one of the big pitfalls uh, I've certainly experienced in my career. And how do you manage like resistance and people who don't really want to go on that journey straight away? It's, it's always about trying to understand people's motivators and drivers, I think. And, uh, you know, if you've got a whole group of people that don't want to go against, go with you and you know, what's driving that, what's uh, the issue, or if it's a few people, what's what's driving them? Is it something personal? Is it that they just can't get with the program? Uh, is it that they just don't want to go in that direction? Um, yeah, but normally it's a, it's a personal driver and there's – if you look back and uh, there's – those hierarchy of needs or even Robbins and his, you know, what the characteristics of what drives people. Um, there's always intrinsic drivers of why people don't want to move, don't want to change. And it's normally nothing to do with the head. It's normally everything to do with the heart. Uh, and it's about understanding what they are um, and working really hard to get people on board, to get them across the line. Because leadership's, you know, it's about leading from the front, but it's also about serving from behind as well. And I think if you can take care of both sides of, of leadership, that's that's super important and uh, that that helps and then sometimes people just can't get with the program and that's you know that's there's time for change then as well tell us about some of the um, new tech startups that you're mentoring well, up and coming uh, there's, ones there's some really some really exciting things uh, on the go there's there's one um, which I just I just love um, and it's it's talking about uh, artificial intelligence and and you know we see all AI coming across the world and all the big techs got their AI and they're actually gathering data and pushing suggestions and ideas to us. Uh, this flipped it off the head and said, well, everyone's got their own preferences. What if they everyone had their own AI with their own preferences and they push that back out? So it's reversing uh, the I guess the the, the balance of power, um, and I'm pretty excited by it. It's a, it's a really interesting concept, a really interesting idea. And your own advisory practice, what sort of um, advisory work are you providing? So at, at the moment, it's... Uh, and what what needs to change in strategy, how to, how to create change in, in these times, um, and a lot of executive coaching at the moment. So it's... It's really focusing on on delivery right now. Um, they're, the, they're the key things in the advisory business at the moment. So, anybody looking for your services, where do they find you? <laughs> they can find me online at, at mansonco.com.au. Great. So, in terms of, I guess, um, growth strategies, Craig, what um, 
you know, like some businesses when they go through an enormous amount of um, M&A in terms of growth and they add on bolt-on businesses and um, you go through that whole due diligence piece and you look at all the synergies and um, have you seen sort of off the back of that um, where those synergies may not necessarily have come into fruition that they thought they were going to be there? Yeah, I, I think M and A. Um, it's rife with uh, over over hyped expectation uh, of synergies, and and you know when M and A, someone's going through a synergistic M and A process, it's really important to be really honest about what the synergies can and can't be, and it's really important to test them in the market, um, and then it's about the model of how you actually put them together. Um, I've seen in the past. M&A around let's bring two synergistic companies together and if you put them together you know, in, in, you know, one in front of the other that might work put one on top of the other it won't work so you've actually got to be really careful of how you go to market and how you build that go to market model with those those synergies um, and then of course it always comes back to the culture the M&A always wins or loses on, on the, the culture of the organisations and how they can work together. So what would your top three tips be to organisations um, to build a really strong, um, amazing culture within a workplace? Sure. Um, three top tips. Definitely uh, put diversity first. And I'm talking not just about physical diversity, I'm talking about cognitive diversity, spiritual diversity, all the different parts of how people are different and actually put that front and centre and celebrate it. Um, because I think that... That's actually what drives competitive advantage. Is, you know, is, is, is all those different ideas and those, those different concepts. Uh, I definitely over communicate all day long. Uh, I think it's if you've got a really sound message, your narrative's right. You know, you're telling stories. It's not just cardboard facts. It's really beautiful uh, storytelling. If you can communicate with great storytelling, then that's a really important part to drive culture. And then I would just talk about leadership and making sure it's the it's the things that you walk past every day that cause you the problems. Um, you know, what are the small things that, that you need to take care of on a on a daily basis? You know, what's happening around the well, what was the water cooler in the hallway and it's now on the Zoom meetings. Um, but what are what are those cultural, those small things that happen every day that you just gotta take care of? They're probably the three three big things. Have you seen an example of um, a culture that was challenged that had a really good turnaround success story? Um, there's been plenty. I, I was I was in one many many years ago back in New Zealand, um, and took on a business that had a a really difficult culture. The culture was um, pretty selfish. It was all about the individual. It was the individual head of the, co- the company. You know, customers are kind of there. Or they were a pain, um, and all those types of things. And and we we engaged uh, some professionals um, and some pretty serious work around culture and around what it actually means to serve, um, what it actually you know where the customers, why they're important, what they need, how to create value for them, uh, and what it, what it means to 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 be a team, and what it means to have teammates and. And to actually go the extra mile, and the real thing was about everyone being able to raise their potential together, to realise their potential together, uh, rather than than separately. And it was a really interesting when they got them together, pretty pretty separate. Um, 
we set up a group incentive at the end and what was really interesting, the whole team agreed that it was all or nothing in the end, that if everyone didn't get across the line, then they'd all forego it. Um, so that was a real testament of a powerful culture. And the thing was, they actually, they got through and they actually all got across the line for the incentive. Um, and that team's still together. I'm talking 15 years later, the bulk of that team is still together and they're still thriving. It's amazing. Yeah, great example. And do you think um, the strength of the leadership team plays a part in that? Critical. Uh, it's, you know, it's, it, Leading and serving are the same thing, um, and they're two sides of the same coin. And and I really believe that it's, it's you know engaging people to get to raise their, their human potential is is what leadership's all about. Uh, and you're not always you know, leading at the front; you're sometimes serving from behind. And I think if you can actually understand that and get it, live with it, embrace it, and enjoy it, that's that's the real strength. That's where the real joy comes from. And the boards that you're sitting on, are they spending quite a bit of time uh, revisiting strategy at the moment? Uh, not revisiting strategy. I'd say yeah, well, tweaking strategy, perhaps, yeah. Yeah, I think uh, the, the the deep long-term strategic approach is right. The, I mean, the fundamentals of those businesses are all right um, and they're all heading in the right direction. Um, COVID's difficult and it's changed the environment in a different way than than we've all experienced before um and so definitely revising strategy saying yeah how do i tactically work through this time while still keeping my strategy intact um i mean none of the businesses i'm involved with have got a, a business model that just doesn't work the business model had worked and over time you know we've worked really hard on getting those business models right because of COVID doesn't mean the business models aren't right. It just means that the way you navigate through executing is, is different uh, for now. Um, there's been no, you know, the boards I've been on, we haven't moved from, you know, distilling vodka to making hand sanitizer. We haven't been one of those. Um, and, and good on those companies have done it. I think that's been wonderful, wonderful stories. Um, but, but for us, it's about how do we just, just take a slightly different path towards the same strategy and towards the same end goals uh, because we felt we, we still had it right. There'll be, there'll be some tweaks post-COVID. Uh, there's some lessons, you know, some lessons for some companies around, you know, we need to perhaps we've been a bit narrow in the markets we've focused on and we did that purposefully and that was always a good strategic intent was to, to go really narrow in your, your market focus. Maybe a lesson from COVID is, go a bit wider because you know it's a, a bit more protection than that so i think some of those conversations will happen when we come out the other side and how was the implement implementation of the bcps great actually really good um i was i was really delighted with all of them um you know there were, there were moments where computers were hard to get um you know, people were taking monitors home, <laughs> big heavy monitors, not laptops. Um, but but everyone got through it. You know, everyone pitched in, and and the overarching BCPs were were set up really well, um, and it worked. Uh, and it's working really really well. We're we've been really fortunate. I guess you create your own fortune in those senses, don't you? So, in terms of, um, I guess, uh, some. Um, challenges that are presented for businesses at the moment um, and they might not have access to 
an advisory board or a board per se. Um, what are the sorts of things that you would recommend to them right now um, to, I guess, just survive at the moment? Yeah, if you if you don't have access to to a set of advisors, um, I mean, it's tough. There's there's, there's often plenty around um, um, mentors in the community, um, but for me, it's like you know, be careful of your cash flow. You know, we used to watch PLs pretty carefully six months ago. Uh, now we watch cash flow far harder and, and balance sheets. Um, so so just watch watch those. Make sure you've got uh, you know, enough powder stored up to 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 get through. And and if you don't have a way to, to navigate through those, um, you know, look after your people uh, and look after your customers. Uh, those fundamentals of business haven't changed. Uh, it's just I guess the we've heightened. Uh, our focus in some really specific areas. So before we wrap up today, Craig, is there anything else you want to share with the listeners from your experience? No, no. Or? Uh, for, from my perspective, it's, it's just that don't stop creating value. Don't stop going for maximum. You know, I think uh, even in tough times, you've still got to keep doing those things. It's, uh, the, the, the fundamentals of what we do as boards and as business leaders don't change. You know, we've got a responsibility to our community and all our stakeholders, and those things don't move one iota. In fact, they they do get heightened in some some during these times. Um, so, I'd say keep going and and go deeper and and, and don't give up on the maximum and, and the, the creating value. Well, thank you very much, Craig. A really great important message to share um, as we wrap up. So, I think that's all we have time for today. So thank you so much for joining us and thank you to all our listeners for tuning in for another episode of Wise Up. Cool. Thanks, Angie. Thanks, Deb. That's all for today. Until next time, happy podcasting. And remember, if you're enjoying the show, check out our other episodes and all things governance at www.threewiseowls.com.au.